Hello and welcome to Mediumship Matters, your go-to spiritual development podcast. I'm your host Hannah McIntyre and I am so excited to have you here. Join me and other great guests as we explore what it means to be a medium, the work that we need to do and the questions that we need to ask for our own development and unfoldment. I'm so happy that you're here. Let's begin. Just to let you all know that my book, You Are a Medium, You Just Don't Know It Yet, is available to purchase on Amazon or via my website, www.hannamedium.co.uk. I am incredibly proud to be able to say that it is already an Amazon bestseller and I'm so grateful to all of you for your reviews, comments and feedback. Um, If you haven't already, please do check it out. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello and welcome to Mediumship Matters with me, Hannah McIntyre. I am incredibly excited to be bringing to you today an interview with one of my heroes, Gordon Smith, who has agreed to come on. Yes, the Gordon Smith, author of 23 books, um, Britain's most accurate medium and great inspiration to people all around the world with his incredible abilities and his teaching. Hi, Gordon. Hi, Hannah. It's a pleasure to be asked to come on. I'm really, really excited to have you. Now, I want to start um, straight away today the way that I always start every interview on my podcast, which is how did you begin um, with all of this? I know it's been 30 years. I looked on your website earlier, but how did it all start for you? Um, Well, I suppose really it's, it started when I was about 21 and uh, a colleague in the hairdressing salon where I worked, her brother died uh, tragically in a fire. And it was at the moment of his death, he somehow managed to appear in my bedroom spiritually. So, I mean, as a young guy, I had never seen anything like this as a child. 
I had experienced several mediumistic moments, which I wouldn't really have understood or knew how to frame them. Or So at the age of 21, and, and it was the most remarkable experience because for a moment he was real in my room, like solid three-dimensional, not glowy or see-through. Or, And my heart started to really race, like this boom, 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 boom. But there was something I wasn't actually afraid of. It, it was more as if I was, I don't know, contained within something that was beating. I kind of now look at that and see a whole different spin on it. But the thing was where Brian just smiled at me, that was the guy's name, and he just sank through the floor. And I sat up and thought, oh, my God. I had a crazy vision at that moment inside my head, like a dream. It was 3 o'clock in the morning, so it was hard to know, was I dreaming? The whole thing was crazy. And I saw two police officers, male and female, coming towards my front door. And it's like part of the dream, an extension of the dream. The door knocked really loudly. And I jumped out of bed, threw on some trousers and ran. And as I opened the door, there was a male and female police officer with some keys. And they said, Gordon Smith, and I said, yeah, they said, there's been an accident. And um, we've been asked by a Miss Christine Peebles to give you these keys to the salon. And I said, is she okay? But something inside me said, they've already said she gave them the keys. Yeah. And the whole thing with her brother Brian went out of my head because all of a sudden my thoughts were on Christine. So when later that morning I realised her brother had died. Um, and that was the start of my journey as an adult in mediumship and um yeah from there wow. on Chris, christine asked if i would take her to see a medium and i had no idea how that worked um i thought i've never been to a medium i don't know what mediums are and well really where you would find one and through the network of hairdressing that i was part of everybody knows everything in hairdressing you just make a call and, and then before we knew it somebody gave me a church and that was it i walked in the spiritualist church and i felt i'm home something just said you're home it was an incredible wow. feeling. That's amazing. And when yeah. you work with spirit now, do you ever get full apparitions like that? Was that a one-off? <laughs> no, that it's not a one-off, but it's one of very, very few. I would have liked to have had more, but then oh, in hindsight, no. Once you learn to trust it, then a new form of understanding and language begins you learn the language of spirit, which isn't them having to come into our terms. They're teaching us to take our mind to a more cerebral level. For them just to keep appearing, we learn nothing. So we have to advance mentally, emotionally, spiritually. Love it. And that's really interesting because that was answering a question that some of my students were asking me Ah, last night and you've just come in and done it straight away. Um, (laughs) So I wanted to talk, first of all, obviously you've written a lot of books but you've got a new book out where two worlds meet so could you just introduce that to us all please yeah where two worlds meet i wrote specifically for children or people in the deep stages of grief who don't understand it so essentially children because i worked with lots of families where you would see the family and you'd have maybe a, a little child who was eight or nine ten and they'd be looking at this medium guy this man who's walked out of their home with pleading eyes of please help and it was just something that said who talks to these kids yeah in a way that it's not religious or you're not leaning them to anything who who gives them an understanding of life after death or just of life and death because yeah. a lot of people don't and i could see that these kids were feeling the emotion of their parents who were shrugging it off everything's fine your sister's in heaven yeah heaven must be terrible because look what it's doing to my mum and dad how can it be beautiful? 
So I put together Where Two Worlds Meet as as a a kind of aid to ch- children's grief. It's turned out that more adults are reading it than children because a lot of them get taken back to their own young life and think, oh my God, when my dad died, I felt that or when I lost so-and-so. So it has many, many messages and because it's fiction, I was allowed to play in the world of fantasy and use animals and, and the childlike mind of children. And, and basically I created a new language called sense and only children and animals could talk sense. Human adults had lost their ability to understand sense. So the wee boy ends up becoming a part of nature and the natural world who teach him that actually life and death are part of the same thing. They're not opposites. And that this is your hard body, but you have a light body. And the light body lives on and the hard body has to go back to something in the earth and basically taught him the whole kind of wheel of life and death and beyond. And, And it was something lovely that I taught my kids when they were growing up with a father as a medium, when they'd say, you know, dad, do you really see people who are dead or hear them? So I, I, I would tell them a little bit about what I called light land. And that's where the whole idea originated way back. Oh, and I thought, it. I'll bring light land into this so that kids can see that, wow, all, all your light stuff, your dreams, your memories, your reflections, your hopes, and they don't die. That's the lighter part of you, and that travels on. So so that was that was where two worlds meet. And it was a joy to do. It's a joy I listened to and talking about recently. Um, and I, I was moved. So moved, I thought, what, did I really write that? It was one of those. (laughs) Yes, you did. (laughs) And And I I, did, actually, yeah. Oh, yeah, and I'm not surprised that adults are listening to that because um, I had a soul midwife on the podcast quite recently and that's been very interesting for people Mm -hmm. because it really made me, even me who, who, as you do, communicates with both worlds, how much we don't talk about death, how much we um, hide from it and it's not part of our conversation. So. I'm not surprised that adults are reading that as well, just to help them open up to it in a really gentle yeah. way. Well, I think also the behaviour of the parents in the book, which was a natural behaviour if you lose a, a daughter or a child, and both when the mother um, was kind of angry at God and angry at life and angry at everything. So, but, you know, and, and her, she had these traits where her kid would talk to her. So she was fraught with anger, but she'd smile at him. But the kid could feel and he just wanted to remove his mum's anger. Yeah. And and with his dad, his dad was just broken hearted, but trying to be a man, trying to, no, 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 all his, and, and the boy would feel, and he just wanted to hold his dad. So you would, again, there's a, there's a description of how men and women suffer grief. Grief is grief, but yeah. within society, men are seen to be, da-da, women more kind of open to the heart and pain and moving through it but I wanted to show that from a child's point of view yeah so that so that they would you know when we do have a loss and there's kids involved how to treat them in a way that we are not giving them information that's going to be overwhelming for them as a child but we're giving them enough information to say you know this is why I'm not the way I usually am right now yeah because I'm feeling something and and I I've not got words yet but just know it's, this is not to do with you. This is me and how I'm feeling. So there's a whole kind of evolution of emotions because the biggest part of the book I, I did, I spoke to a lot of child uh, grief counsellors and things mm-hmm. and said, what would you like included in the book? And they said, oh, talk about emotions. Would you please yes. educate children on emotions? 
So I created a, a, a standing ring of stones and I called them the mood stones. And every time the wee boy went there, he would feel different moods. And he took his parents there to, to let them see the stones. And of course, when his mum touched this particular stone, he could see inside her heart. And it was just anger, rage. And when his dad stood in one, he just heard tears. So the, the, these stones, so that the boy could actually understand the changes. And so he'd realised, I'm taking them to the happy stone. Yeah. And they got giddy and they didn't know what to do and grief with happiness because that made them feel guilty, right? Immediately they were. So all of these things that I've studied in the many years I've, I've worked as a medium and and trained and still train, um, grief is a big thing that a lot of mediums themselves don't even look at. They look at the result of trying to help people grieving, but a lot of them don't have knowledge when they go into a situation what type of grief they're dealing with or what extent the grief is at. And and it's so important for mediums yeah. to learn. Absolutely. And I, I remember having a reading with somebody once and I brought through all the evidence and she yeah. said, well, yeah, that's all right, but that doesn't help me. He's still yes. not here. And and, yeah. and I was floored yeah. because... Yeah. You know, so there is that expectation yes. for mediums that we're going to take it all away. And obviously we can't because <laughs> no, it is can't. a process that people have to go through. Fascinating. Mm. So I know when you started, um, I've heard you saying that you you were made, for want of a better expression, to focus on healing for yes. quite a long time. How do you feel that impacted your development? Well, I think it's important for people, mediums especially in development, to understand the process of healing, because I realized I was healing myself or my teacher was guiding me to heal myself at the time because I was in my early 20s. I had two kids and, you know, life had been a bit messed up. So in order to be a medium, you have to unravel a lot of your own stuff. So in the healing classes, I would be healing people, but it would reflect on, oh, God, I remember that happening in my family or this. Oh, my God. So then you would start to look at, am I actually feeling their thing or am I feeling mine? Mm -hmm. And you learn to also understand what was your pain and what was somebody else's. So the healing class was really good for recognizing levels of heart yeah. in others. So and it's the same when that to me transferred into my mediumship that you could tell when somebody was having a message from the other side and it was, Oh, I've got your gran here. And she tells me she died 12 years ago and she'd have loved the life. And you guys, you could feel that there's no heart there. There wasn't a need for healing in that message, but there'd be others where they were so raw and tender. And, and I realized that in the healing class, I was also developing sensitivity and people need mediums need sensitivity. So in, in many ways, you need to be psychic to a point to understand the people you're working with. That's the tool you bring to it. And I understand that the teacher who taught me, they talked about psychic mediums back then mm -hmm. because the medium themselves was a psychic. Mediumship was an extra faculty that you developed at a higher level. Yeah. So if you, if you were a radio station, I've often said, you already come with AM. That's, oh, my God, I can read this room. Oh, there's something happened here. Oh, that person's sad. So that's your sensitivity or your psychic abilities, which you have inherent. I had them as a kid. And then the mediumship, you were learning to add FM. You were going to a wider frequency. And you're picking up on finer energies, the spirit world. But you would you would relate to them in the same way instead of that lady's hurting. Oh, my God, the spirit lady needs to talk to that lady who's hurting. And you would put them together and then you would feel the healing quality that, wow, when that and that come through me and get that, then there's an absolute healing. 
And that's to me is what I've always done with, with mediumship is looked for the healing. I don't look to be right or accurate. I just look to heal. So it's healing mediumship that I do more than anything. Incredible. And yet you are incredibly accurate. And so do you feel that that accuracy is something that you have naturally? Are you quite a scientific minded person? Would you would you not be happy with the kind of woo woo non-specifics or is it just... <laughs> You know, how's that worked out for you? <laughs> I like that, actually. I will use that if you don't mind, Hannah. I yeah, have it. it. <laughs> we're, we're non-specific. But no, um, I think because of the mediums that I was um, watching as I was developing, and there was a kind of big percentage who that was what mediumship was. It was just, you had to be accurate. Uh, no medium, and, and when I started, could ever throw something out to an audience. That would never have been heard of to say, can somebody in the room? That never would have happened. You either had to start with, I've got a Mrs. Macintosh, and she tells me she died, and da-da-da-da-da. And you stay with that lady, you don't change her. Whereas some people say, and you can take that, and you can... And I often think, well, if 10 people have spoke to you, and, and which spirit are you dealing with here? Mm-hmm. And I don't understand it, that they can, you know, and some one wee boy in, in Denmark once said to me, yes, but it's a better show. And I said, oh, sorry, you call it a show. So immediately, and as you said, okay, well, fair enough. That's if the world changes to that, then you know I'll welcome it. Don't mind. <laughs> but no, for me, it was a sense. You got this is your sensitivity again. You got drawn to the. I need to speak to you. I would say to that, oh, I still do it today. And as you do it, that's where your trust comes in. Mm-hmm. You have no idea what's coming next, but you yeah. know it is. And there's nobody else in the room, just you and that person. Forget all the other hands; they don't exist to me. It's that person. I have your father here. And this minute they nod and then something else comes out. And I'm not even trying to be anything at that point. I'm just staying in that link. Because the development I did, Hannah, was to sit in the power, let the spirit sit with me for the whole time so that I could hold the space of mediumship open for them to give messages, not me. I don't give messages. And this is where I tell people when they say, you know, they get somebody saying no to them and they go home and they obsess over that word to me no is just a yes they haven't realized I do <laughs> not because it's not about me yeah I, it's with spirit and I, I take very little part in these demonstrations I turn up take my body there and let the spirit world do the rest and it's not about being right or wrong because I've already done that with spirit for years showed them you know my trust in them so I trust whatever they say comes through especially if it's feel real then I leave it with people and then they come back and say, oh, my God, this happened. You told me that. I, said, I didn't tell you anything. Your son did. And yeah. Oh, wow, wow. So I'll say, well, that, that may be something nice to look at. Your son actually knows things from a different perspective. So, yeah, I, I don't I, I really don't compete with people who say, but don't you think mediumship should be? I think mediumship should help is my simplest thing I'll ever say to people. It should help. It should Amazing. be a quality of helping. And I think from the point of view of being a sitter, it is a high pressured environment. It's a bit yes. like, you know, trying to make your, your yeah. loved ones your specialist subjects, especially in an audience scenario, because everyone cranes their neck around don't they, they do, to yeah. look at you yeah. and your emotions are rising. And so in that moment, you do yeah. sometimes say no to things because yes. you're just panicked. You Absolutely. Can't... And because, again, the medium is, is delivering the message. They're not creating the message. One of the Great people in my life was a, an old uh, medium called Albert Best, who was a, a bit of an influence in my life. 
And Albert in his day job was a postman. And um, his night work, which all of us mediums back then, we all had a day job. You know, we, we had a life away from mediumship. And that also was good. But Albert would deliver mail during the day and then deliver spirit messages at night. And he was he was the most accurate medium I'd ever watched. He was incredible. But one of the times he said to me, son, remember this. He says, we only deliver the messages. We don't write them. We don't create them. He said, just make sure you get them to the right letterbox. Not that that's true. Just get your, your information to the right person. And you know that. You feel it. Trust what you feel. Too many people do. I do this spiritual thing. And you think, what do you mean by that? Because a spiritual thing is actually helping people. That's all it is. Yeah. My mother never believed in any great God or anything. But she was one of the most spiritual people I know because she made soup for the poor. She gave clothes into places. She took people in when they had nothing. Now, that to me is spiritual. Mm-hmm. Not saying I got the name Edward in a message. I mean, that's just silly. <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, for sure. You call that spiritual is nonsense. Real spiritual is when you genuinely care and have compassion about the work that you do. That's that's really caring. I love it. Now I know that you're a very humble man, and I can already tell that you're <laughs> you're but um would you be willing to share a, an example with the listeners about when you have done some epic accuracy? Um, oh God, it's hard to know. <laughs> I can give you an example. Uh-huh. Oh, there's <laughs> oh, but, loads. Oh, yeah, I was going to say, I bet you've got tons. When I saw you in London huh? 10 years ago, probably more. Possibly, uh, yeah. Um, you were talking, you went direct to somebody in the audience and you were talking to them about a fox at their, you, you described their sliding doors and they, I bet you don't even remember it. You've no, done so many messages. And honestly, it was like that lady had been struck by lightning. Her whole body responded to you saying mm. fox. And I thought, there you go. That is. A- well, I mean, I suppose it's when it's something like I last year I was over in Tokyo and I don't do so much demonstrations as I used to. I used to do every night. So now I have long pauses between them, which is good. And it also means that I keep my mind really strong for when I do it. I love doing it. So going over to Tokyo, I hadn't done a dem for quite a few months and COVID before that. So it's only been on Zoom. And I thought, oh, my God. And I don't get nervous about demonstrations. And I thought, oh, I feel all of a sudden I feel this sense of trepidation. And I thought, that takes me back. And I thought, well, Spirit, I just have to trust you. And my translator said, do you do anything before you start? And I said, not normally, but now I'm worried. <laughs> so I'm going to worry for a while. <laughs> she said, but you're joking, aren't you? And I said, yes, I'm absolutely fine. Don't worry about it. When I get up there, I'll be fine. And as soon as I started, because ladies translating for me, so I thought, keep the brief short. Hi, I'm a medium. Da, 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 da. And I, and the pointed to a lady, ma'am, can I speak to you? And this little lady, yeah, yeah, you, yeah. And I said, there's a Mr. Oganawa here. It's your husband. And she says, oh, and then, of course, everybody went, Phew. people came from everywhere. They were they were in a, like a mind, body, spirit type. So everybody was leaving their events and <laughs> ended up with thousands of people. And, of course, the messages just came like that. And it was, I mean, even at the end of that, I think one is not evidential. And that was evidential. And there was many Japanese names, streets, towns, cities, dates of birth, dates of death, all that stuff. But the nicest thing that happened to me was I came off the stage a little, I mean, I'm not tall as a guy, but this woman was shorter than me. And she came up and she, she kind of put her hands in prayer in front of me and said, my boy died. Is he okay? And I'm 
slightly taller, and I put my hand over her hand like this, and I was wearing Buddhist prayer beads that I'd been to see this wonderful Buddhist chap the day before, and he empowered them, he did a blessing on them. So I felt really great, my beads I've had for 20 years. And, and as I did that, they rolled from my hand onto the lady's arm, and she said, oh, you, and I said, no, no. I said, now they're your beads. And I said, these have been empowered by a beautiful llama. And I told her who, and she said, oh, she says, I've been trying to get to see him since my boy. I said, well, there you are. Isn't that a beautiful gift? And I said, take that from your son. I can't give you a message because I'm just not tuned in anymore. Yeah. But please accept that. And uh, my translator said, oh, you just said to me yesterday that was the greatest thing you could have got your beads. And I said, well, I'll get another set of beads and somebody else will do that. I said, that'll mean everything to that woman. And I'm sure it did. She did write into people later to say she couldn't believe it, though she never got an actual verbal message. She felt that was the greatest message she could have got. Something to hold, she said. To hold something that she feels her son gave her was very precious. That is incredible. Again, for me, spirit work in so many ways. It's not all about standing on a platform giving that, 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 that. That is a part of it. But the other part is just trusting your life that you're in the right place at the right time with the right people who need what you can give them. That's yes. an incredible story. Thank you. Oh, I'm, I'm really glad I asked those. now. <laughs> um, so you work with Helping Parents Heal. Yes. Can you tell us about that and your work there? <laughs> yeah, um, they're a wonderful organisation with masses of people. I think several million people who are members, all, as the name would suggest, parents who have lost children. So as a medium, I always like to be able to refer people to other organisations or places I truly believe in, because sometimes your work as a medium can only take people to that part of the road. So it's nice to have somebody like Hilton Parents Heal who can take parents that you've worked with. And, and then... Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Bring them into the airfold. And these are the most wonderful, kind, loving people, full of compassion, and they've all been down that road. Mm-hmm. So it's it's like that. And yeah, there's, they're just magical people and they're a great extension of mediumship, I would say. And so I, I I will do mediumship for them, do Zooms where I talk to the families and I've gone out there and did live demo. I did that last year, which was utterly incredible um, because I was asked to give a talk. But when you see like 900 families, not 900 people, 900 families, all lost kids. And I, I thought they don't want me to talk to them. Everybody's talked to them. And I don't want to talk to them either. I want to give them something yeah. so and it's if you can't work in a room where 900 families have lost children as a medium you're not a medium 
So for me, it, there's no preparation. You just go up and talk. And some of the most beautiful things happened that day, incredible things. It really was, you know, there was this lovely man who, the part of the message, I said, I see your hand rubbing a little blonde boy. I said, he's this high. And I see your hand. I said, put your hands down. You're holding his hand. I said, and I'm hearing the Beatles song, I Want to Hold Your Hand. And they were like, oh, and the guy couldn't speak. And I just carried on with the message. I said, you know, he's just showing me Abbey Road. There's something to do with the Beatles here. And later that night, I was in the bar um, looking at the other spirits and seeing how they were getting on. <laughs> a, lot, a lot of the fathers from Helping Parents Heal came in to the bar. And one one man happened to say, may I, may I show you something? And I said, you, you are allowed to talk to me. Because a lot of the mediums were kind of, you know, the, some mediums get a little bit precious, but I don't. I'm right there with the guys. And the fella said to me, you know, Gordon, he said, what you said today was incredible. Can I show you something? I said, sure. And he pulled his sleeve up and he had a tattoo of Abbey Road and him and his son walking over it. And he said, that was, I said, oh, were you that guy? And I said, there were so many people, I, I couldn't yeah. distinguish who I was speaking to. So he told me the whole story, and it was incredible. And I want to hold your hand was the song, and oh. for God's sake. And then the photograph of him and his boy, and him hold. Oh, it was just beautiful. So things like that, you see the value of mediumship. And from when I was quite young, I worked in Italy with Italian families who'd lost children. So my whole story as a medium, a lot of it has been trying to help people come to terms with a stage of grief, I now realise. I cannot take away grief, but I can give people tools to mm -hmm. work with what they've got. And as a medium, that's as much of a role I see myself in. Now, if somebody feels that message changed their life, that's incredible. But I'm set to heal. That's it. I, I, yeah. I try to let people leave me feeling better than when they came. Yeah. And it's the, I don't reach for the stars in that one. I just let nature take its course. <laughs> Providing a bit of hope. Yes. In yeah, where very, there's hope, there's a way. Yeah, very dark time. So if I may pick your brain now, um, what advice would you give people who write, who are right at the beginning of their journey and just starting to explore their connection? I think the first thing I would say is why do you want to be a medium? Ask yourself that question. That's a big, important question. Because a lot of people arrive at it these days for very different reasons, I feel. Yes. But ask yourself the question, why? Why me and why do I want to do this? Because you commit yourself to something. As I say, it's a long journey of your, of your true medium. It's for life. It's not, you know, for Christmas. No. <laughs> <laughs> Mediumship is for life. But so, so you ask yourself that question first and think, am I truly dedicated to doing this? Yeah. And you need the you need the real elements of mediumship, and one is dedication and devotion. That that kind of quality has to be there. You also need to develop compassion. You also need to understand yourself. There's all these qualities that you have to examine. Am I well enough to do this? A lot of people come because they're very broken, mm -hmm. and you think, can you truly sit down with other people, or are you just going to cry? Are you going to yeah. get caught up and be so sympathetic in their ordeal that? <gasps> so you've got to be an emotional lifeguard. And that takes training. And for me, it was seven years in my first development circle to train how to cope with my own emotional state. Yeah. Because you can't pull people out of the emotional seas if you end up in it with them. So for me, I can stand at the side, be unemotional, and help pull people out of an emotional turbulence or whatever. So you need to look at that because you're carrying a lot of people's heavy stuff. So you need to be psychologically robust. Yeah. So you need mental training. There's a whole lot goes on. And, and if a medium isn't 
kind of doesn't have the, everything in their toolbox to prepare for all of that, then they might find two years down the road they're exhausted. Yeah. They have exhausted their compassion. They have exhausted their resilience. They've exhausted their trust and belief in spirit. And that's when you start to hear, why did spirit let me down? And you think spirit never let you down. <laughs> so it's like anything, Hannah. If you were going to run a marathon, you don't just go and run a marathon. You take a long time to train your body to cope with it. Absolutely. And that's the same. So for me, it was all mind gymnastics, mind yoga, mind exercises to train so that my mind became psychologically robust. That That is a big, important part of being a medium. Don't rush into it. Get to know self first. If you cannot understand self, you'll never understand an unseen spirit world. You'll never understand that. So. Absolutely. And we want the thing is, a lot of people, I think, come to mediumship to escape themselves. Yes. And it is, you know, you want to be out floating in the ether. Yes, and I'm absolutely. like, no, 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 this is all about being here yeah. with you. And I completely, yeah, completely. Well, do you agree. know, Hannah, one of the, the things I, I enjoyed doing, I was asked, which I thought was ridiculous back in, I can't remember, 2002 or something. I was in London and somebody said, would you come and speak to an acting class? And I said, are you kidding me? An acting class? Why? And they said, because you do trance mediumship. You take on the identity of another spirit being. Could you talk to actors about what that feels like? I thought, okay, this will be interesting. Yeah. And I did it. I enjoyed it. They asked me to come back and do it again. And I was saying to them, when you work as an actor and you become a person, if it's a series, I mean, they were proper actors, not kids learning a lot of them you see in your soaps and a lot were appearing on the West End stages doing Shakespeare and things and and they genuinely wanted this mm -hmm. and and they said how do you let go of the character and this was really interesting and I said well here's the first thing you are you the character is only a character mm -hmm. I said so for me the spirit is only momentarily I think it's a momentary appearance I said and the same would be if you were being Hamlet you know, you are, and then you need to learn how, I was going to say, to be or not to be, but it's actually <laughs> cheesy. That's really, I know my Shakespeare. But anyway, so, <laughs> I probably used that. But the idea was showing people when to disengage. And yeah. that was a big lesson. I said, it's one thing to take on a spirit message and deliver it, but to then become obsessed with it yourself. Once again, the mental training comes in of when it, that's enough. Yeah. And you go back to being you, really, really strong mind. All of this should be done before people are allowed to actually work with the public. Agreed. I, mean, I was seven years in training with my first teacher. And at the end, she said, the moment you walked in the doors of my church, you were a medium. She said, what I worked on was the person. She said, now, if you were in a, in a medical school, she said, we wouldn't give you a scalpel on the first week. She says, but what you could do to people's emotions with bad words and the wrong phraseology and even the lack of compassion or empathy, you could destroy a mind. And I thought, wow. And she said, that's why it took seven years. Yeah. So that you were responsible enough and did the appropriate thing when giving a spirit message. Because, again, it's important that mediums know what they're doing really yeah. important rather than saying I'm not sure what's happening here that's never a good thing to hear a medium say that <laughs> yeah no doesn't and I have said it when I was younger oh do you know what I'm, this is not clear no no stop you need to train yourself so that you're in control of a reading you're in control of a platform you don't let people take that away you you are the force that you've trained to be and and therefore you're confident in everything you do and that's when you're ready for the platform when, yeah. when it feels like, yeah, I, I can do this. <laughs>
I love it. And I saw on one of your blogs on your website, you wrote that you you teach with kindness. Why do you think teaching with kindness is so important? Well, I don't think you have to shout at people. First of all, I think I think you're the way spirit teach and they taught, taught me. Because most of my teaching I got was from spirit. And that's how Mrs. Primrose allowed us to do it. Sit with spirit and let them show you the lessons. Let them teach you. So spirit are compassionate and wise. And for me, if, if somebody gets something, they, unless they did something horrible to another person, I would stop that immediately. Because that's kindness. Stopping somebody from hurting someone is kindness. Yeah. So remember, kindness is a double-edged sword here. Sometimes kindness is saying, no, stop that. Or that's wrong. But the way you treat them after it is not to make them feel bad. To say, let me show you why you did that. Or let me maybe point out something. So when that's what I mean by kindness. A good mm-hmm. teacher should never have to raise their voice to anybody in any situation. A good mm-hmm. teacher watches I, I watch all my students when they're doing their early platform work and I, I don't tell them anything other than they've been taught I let them go on I let them finish the message I don't stop the mid-message unless it's damaging to the person then I mm-hmm. would but I let that I watch their process because I want to see what they're doing and I don't want them to be copying me or copying other mediums I want them to be a version of themselves the best version And some may do something a lot that seems a bit annoying to a lot of the people. And I think, well, can I ask you, are you aware that you're flying your hands a bit in front of your face when you're talking? And they go, "Um, because I do it all the time. Um, And they're like, do I really do that? And I said, I'm not telling you to stop. But what I'm telling you is it's distracting a lot of the things in a public demonstration. And I said, I'm only telling you, be aware of it. That's all. I said, but your information was excellent. So I'm not going to say no to that. And I think it's nice to have good conversation with people yeah, and, and explain to them if something's right, what's right or wrong, if it helps people, it's right. Yeah. If it doesn't help people, then find out why you're not helping people. So, but again, you don't need to destroy people. I think the whole idea is being generous to them and, and also having the answers that they need. Well, if I'm doing that wrong, can you show me how to do it right? Sure. You have to have something to replace it. You can't take away somebody's crutch unless you're going to put something there in its place. Yeah. And, and again, that's fair teaching, you know, but you don't need to be horrible to people. No. Agreed. Agreed. And I also saw that you encourage your students to experience altered states. I know you were just talking yeah. about trance. Why do you think that's so important? Well, for me, that was probably the thing that um, helped me overcome a lot of my fears when I was young. Um, fears of death because as a medium you don't just inherit a fear a lack of fear of death or dying you have to work to it <clears throat> even mediums have that as your people but the more you work and the more you know you see things it was the way I was developed was to sit in the power and, and try to let the spirit come close to me so to do that properly you have to alter your state so you go into this what I call thin place between two worlds the same place you would go to when you were waking up from a sleep and dreams affect your mind at that point or or something. So you learn to do that while you're in a waking state mm-hmm. so that when you when you do a reading for somebody, I very often, words are coming out of my mouth, but I'm still very, you know, <laughs> coherent. But at the same time, I, I've let go. It's almost like self-hypnosis in a sense, I would imagine. Yeah. That, that it's just flowing from you and you, you're happy with the flow. And when that happens, it's because I've trained to go into that. Now, I, I've also trained people to understand things about that because out-of-body experiences is a part of that. And letting people truly understand what can and can't happen with 
this stuff because some of them come with crazy ideas. But if I close my eyes and, you know, and I go too deep, what will happen? How deep do you want to go? You'll fall asleep. Yeah. That's the worst thing that can happen to you is you'll fall asleep. But it's the ideas you take into that meditation that are sometimes a little bit off the track. And again, I anybody who comes with, you know, their own version of incredible things that will happen when they close their eyes. And I will ask them, and again, with kindness to say, can you explain to me why it is you see unicorns and and you go off to this wonderful fairyland? Why do you think that is? And I'll talk, I will never ridicule people and I'll say, okay, because one thing I did study, which not for everybody, but definitely for me, was Carl Jung. I wanted to understand symbology because yeah. the mind throws up symbols a lot. And, and then I'll talk to people, so could it be a symbolic type of mediumship you're working with? So tell me what a unicorn means to you. And what does it mean to be in this other world? This, tell me what that's like. It sounds like you're very safe there. And, and, and before you know it, you're unraveling their psychology. Not that I'm not a psychologist, but I'm letting them see, yeah. oh my God, when I was young, I was scared of that. And I used to lock myself into this thing. And so you would find as part of their spiritual development, their fantasy was actually a tarot card. Really? Yeah. You can read it. Yeah. So everything is symbolic if it's not understood in this form of reality. And once again, studying psychiatry doesn't really harm a medium to understand mental states and emotional states and fantasies and stuff like that. So. Yeah. Oh, fan- fascinating. And you've got a book called Animal Magic. You have yeah. connection to animals. Yeah. Was that something that happened naturally in your communications with spirit? Or was it something you consciously decided to develop? Um, no, that just been part of my life. And I don't know when it started. I don't know, remember the actual message when it started. But yeah, I, I have so many messages. I mean, I think one was a lady who, when she came along for the reading, and um, she was from Spain, I think. And I started to talk to her. I've got your grandmother here, da da da. And she nodded. And yeah, 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 I got all of that right. And it was that. Oh, this lady's not looking for that. Yeah. Come on, spirit, what do you need? And then this beautiful big doberman came through and its name whatever and then right after that i was reading for a swiss man and as soon as he, and i don't know if that doberman opened the floodgates but the next one this guy came and his dog was called pongo and i said it's a dalmatian <laughs> and it was killed on a railway track oh the man just no oh. and i said but you know what you've had a headstone made for the dog it's in your garden and he showed me a photograph of it he did and he's like is my dog really here and i said the spirit of your dog is here, the consciousness, yes. And he said, but why? And I said, you loved it. It loved you. There was a bond. That's all you need. That bond is created. That won't die. So that kind of began. And then, oh, God, every kind of animal has come through. It's been ridiculous. I and you. I don't only give messages from animals. Some people think I'm Dr. Doolittle of the mediumship world. I'm really not. Um, and I don't talk to animals. I sense them. And it's, it's that language of sense I mentioned that's in the book with the little boy and the animals. You feel as a sensitive what that animal needs or how it's trying to convey something. And that's how mediumship works as well. If I'm working with people in Japan and I don't know the language, I still have to convey the feeling. Yeah. And, and, and that's where being in the old, slight altered state, an overshadowing, I would call it. Yeah. So going into that overshadowing allows the character to come really through you and you can animate the spirit, allow them a moment in this realm, just a moment, and it's enough to be recognized. 
I love that. I asked that purely for selfish reasons, because I've always been a human communicator. And then recently in the way, as soon as you get comfy, all of a sudden a dog's come in and I'm like, who are you with? And the dog's like, no one. Part of the family though. Yeah. (laughs) When I wrote that book, Hannah, we, I was co-writing it with a a lady. I was on the road all the time. And um, my publisher said, look, if we bring a ghostwriter, <laughs> ghostwriter, there you go, to come in. And we, me and her worked together and she put a thing out um, on the internet saying if anybody has an animal story they'd like to share, well, we had to shut it down. I mean, it was so many thousands of things that came in. And and we wanted to show the consciousness of animals and, and also to have a, a kind of understanding of how people have been treating animals. So, you know, because there's a heck of a lot of cruelty and you think cruelty doesn't, shouldn't exist in any realm in this day and age we've evolved but it does so there was a lot of awareness of animal awareness in it as well but yeah i i think it develops with you and i mean it's not something i would be called an animal communicator i'm not i'm a medium and if that means your loved one is is you know a poodle it doesn't matter or whether your loved one's your you know I think one of my funny German stories was in Frankfurt saying the woman, I've got your husband, his name's Carl. Oh, actually, it's Carl Heinz. He lives in Berlin in Bahnhofstrasse. She says, yeah. And I thought, oh, God. I thought, well, honey, I don't get much better than this. That's yeah. as good as I get. I've got the man, I've got his name, his address, all the things. And then eventually I thought, come on, give me something. And I said, he has a terrier dog with him. <gasps> my hund, my hund. And she went crazy. And I thought, poor Hans, what's, what's happened to your husband? But I, I love to tell that story in Germany because a lot of the people, when you're doing a dem, don't understand how it works. So I use that sometimes. It's a real story, and I, I use it to open, make people see that, come on, I need you to talk back to me. I need you to be involved with it. Your loved ones are trying to communicate. But it's a, it's a great thing to show that this woman had more of a bond with the terrier than with her husband. That is hilarious. <laughs> and so that, I mean, that's so true for so many it people. It really is, yeah. So yeah, I'm not absolutely. surprised. So do you believe that your journey with spirit has been predestined or one that you have created through your passion for it i think a bit of both i think it's part of your destiny or a potential part of your destiny and you can either find it or you can walk past it and for me i had several opportunities i had several things happen in my life and then the one that i mentioned earlier was brian when he appeared that kind of then said okay follow it Mm -hmm. because through my young life i had many different occasions of some paranormal some mediumistic some psychic so had lots of things seership seeing things in the future so there was flags there but mm-hmm. i'm a great believer that you can still turn a different corner yeah and you can say no and you can your, your destiny i think your destiny is a, a many kind of fold path that when you come to that point of personal choice that that's the point that we are involved in so you yes. have the potential to be, I mean, I, I was a hairdresser at that time. Um, I had so many options because I, I love doing lots of things. I love cooking. I was, I'd started being a cook for a while. So I had many, many options of careers to travel and all, all the things. And then I followed that. Yeah. I was a sports coach. I was a champion gymnast. I was all sorts of things. So I, I think I just like doing what I do, any, whatever it is. Yeah. But for me, all these options were a sort of signpost and then, you get flagged up with something and you follow a flicker. Something happens and you follow it and then you're on that timeline. Now that timeline will run into the next personal choice day. Yeah. I'm back at the crossroads again. 
So I think we have a time to be born and many potential times to pass, to leave the world. And and really a lot is down to the, the different choices we make at pivotal moments in our life. Yeah. You know, when it when it's an important, you know the big choices, you know them. Everybody knows them. You go, oh, and it's because we don't know what to truly do with them. These are the moments where nobody can help you. Don't ask spirit for guidance on those ones because they won't. They'll yeah. be there on whatever road you take, but you have you sometimes you're the one that has to make the next step on the journey. And Absolutely. and that's okay. You learn to get good at that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love it. I love it. Now, you've also got live events and you're running um, groups as well and yeah. teaching online Ooh. as well, aren't you? So you've got your yeah. happy medium events with James Van Prague. Oh, that's they look fun. amazing. Yeah. And you've got teaching coming up, I yeah. believe, although it sold out really quickly, didn't it? When I... <laughs> Yeah, the, the online ones, uh, well, well, the Zoom ones and things we do, they, they're sold out in less than an hour normally. Amazing. Waiting lists and waiting lists and waiting lists. Um, but yeah, so if anybody's interested, just watch the website for that because we we are introducing new things one of the things i love hannah is that i've i've i'm still learning as a medium i tell everybody that i'm still growing i learn new things i go walks in the morning six o'clock in the morning with my dogs in the countryside and i, I really feel things from spirit and I, that's when i get my beautiful moment with spirit that's my two worlds meeting and i just get annoying for a moment no i'm not some great clever sage i'm not a moment where I think, oh, wow, let's add this. Oh, I never thought telling people this. Or here's a new way to deliver that, how to be a clairvoyant. How to... So new additions come because I'm open to it. I'm not rigid. Yeah. And and I think I think as long as you're flexible and open, you'll keep learning. And that, that's one of the things I love about it. So yeah, lots of events. And there's, there's online courses. I work with a big company in Switzerland called Unity. And Unity run a lot of online courses. And mine's is, I've got several there. In fact, James and I are going to film one, how to improve your mediumship. Yeah. Oh, nice. Together, that'll be fun. Yeah. That will be fun. Amazing. Mm. Well, thank you so much for Welcome. taking the time to talk to us today. It's been absolutely, I knew it would be um, <laughs> great. Wow. And I love, I love your down to earth. Just this is how it works. Let's do this approach. I don't have another gear, Hannah. <laughs> I really don't. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's great. And I will obviously put a, a link to your website in the show notes Cheers. so all the listeners can check you out. Thank you again. Hannah, you're a star. Thank you. God bless. You. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast today. I hope you enjoyed it. As always, I'm here just to ask you to click that follow button to share the podcast on your social media and leave a review. These things help me so much with reaching more people, getting better guests, getting more information out there. So anything you can do to help would be gratefully received. And I will catch up with you again soon. Thanks for listening.